So Mark chapter 11, we're on a, in, in a series on prayer. And so the last time we met, we were looking at uh, ineffective prayer and the reasons that our prayers sometimes go unanswered. And we also saw that Jesus taught us that there is a right way and a wrong way to pray. And when he was asked about teaching them to pray, he told them, don't pray like this. Don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't think that God hears you because you use vain repetition. And don't think that God hears you because you make long prayers. And uh, God's not moved with any of those things. But God uh, is moved uh, not really by anything that we do because God's already moved. How many has heard this, that prayer moves God or faith moves God? It doesn't move God. Uh, uh, faith moves you. God's already moved from heaven to earth. Amen? God doesn't live out there in heaven somewhere at the planet. Where does he live? Right here on the inside of us. So... So today we're going to look at a, a passage in Mark chapter 11, and the title of today is Speak to the Mountain or Speak to Your Mountain. And that may be strange to you. Some of you may hear this today and think this is the strangest thing I've ever heard in regard to prayer, but this is something that has transformed my life and what I have seen as answers to those prayers. And so Jesus Christ not only is our Savior, but he's our prototype. In other words, we should do what like he did. Jesus said, the works you see me do, you do. Uh, he, we are to imitate Christ. you believe that? We're to do the things that Jesus d uh, did. And so we're to, we're to pray like Jesus prayed. We're to operate the way Jesus operated. Let me tell you something. The church does not operate like Jesus operated. We don't pray like Jesus prayed. We're so far from that. We're almost, I would say, 180 degrees from the way that Jesus operated. So we're going to look at that today in Mark chapter 11 and in verse... Oh, uh, let's see, where are we at here? Mark chapter 11, let me get to it. Uh, verse 12, it says, Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar off a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Now notice verse 14, it says, In response, Jesus said to it, In response, He's responding to a fig tree. Now, the King James, if you're reading the King James, it says he answered it. If you answer me, that means I talk to you. If you answer me, that means I talk to you. So this fig tree is talking to Jesus. What's it doing? It's lying to him. It's telling him that I have something to offer you, but it doesn't have anything to offer him. So that's why Jesus cursed the fig tree. He he spoke to the fig tree. He did not speak to God about the fig tree. He spoke directly to the problem. He spoke directly to the source. And in response, Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So if his disciples heard it, how many knows he said it loud enough that at least they could hear it? So you have to say it out of your mouth. You have to speak something out of your mouth. This is how God's kingdom operates. In the beginning, when there was chaos and confusion and darkness and, and the Holy Spirit was brooding over the face of the deep, God said something. And this is how God operates, by uh, speaking things. Your faith, listen to me, and I'm going to let you sit down. Your faith is voice activated. So you have to activate your faith by speaking the word of God. Amen? So that's what we're going to look at today. Father, I do thank you for your word and for your people, for what you're doing, Lord God, into and through us. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said... Amen. You can be seated. Now, many people wonder why Jesus would curse a fig tree, although Jesus out of his mouth didn't say, I curse you. Peter, the next day, we're going to read that in just a moment, says, look, behold, Lord, the fig tree that you cursed is withered up. And so people say, well, why would Jesus get so upset about a fig tree? And I've just told you that the fig tree lied to him. And, so, and for a fig tree to have leaves, this is... This is this is true. For a fig tree to have leaves, if it has leaves, it has figs. They, they, actually, the figs, the fruit that comes prior to really the leaves coming. And so this fig tree is projecting that it's got something to offer, but it didn't have anything at all to offer. And so the fig tree was, listen, speaking to Jesus, and it was lying to him, so he answered it. He responded to it. Now, how many thinks, you know, uh, that's weird, a fig tree speaking to you? Let me ask you something. Has your wallet ever talked to you? Has your checkbook ever said anything to you? Let me ask you this. What about that chest pain that hit you? What about that pain that hit you in the chest? Did it ever say anything to you? 
didn't it tell you you was having a heart attack? And you just needed to belch real good and you'd probably be delivered. What about that pain in your side? Didn't it, didn't it lie to you and say it's cancer? I bet that's a tumor. See, st stuff lies to us all the time, all the time, and, and uh, you have to speak to it. And this is strange to people. They, they, they find this so, so strange. Look in Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Now, Jesus has cursed the fig tree. He spoke to a fig tree, which is a little bit weird. He's talking to a tree. He's speaking to a tree. Now, in the morning. So we've had 24 hours that have transpired. And it says, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree. Look what it says. Dried up from where? From the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look. Notice the exclamation. He's really excited about this. He says, Rabbi, which means teacher, look. He says, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And then Jesus answered and said to them, look at Jesus. His response is, have faith in God. Now, a lot of people think Brother Hagin wrote this verse. And if you don't know who Brother Hagin is, just don't worry about it. I'm talking about Brother Hagin Sr., Kenneth Hagin. And uh, because he preached from this so much. Uh, but he's, it's almost like in exasperation, Jesus says to them, have faith in God. That you should have faith in God. You, you have faith in God enough to know that God's not a liar to you and that he placed his spirit on the inside of you and he gave you authority over things. And if you would just have faith in God, then you would exercise that authority that God's given you. Now look in verse 23. For assuredly, that means truly, truly, I say to you, whoever says, everybody say says, to this mountain. Now now we're going from talking to a fig tree to now we're talking to mountains. So whoever says to this mountain, what is the mountain? You tell me, that's your problem. Whatever your problem is, whatever your obstacle is, whatever the problem is, it can be sickness, it can be finances, it, it can be anything. But whatever is your mountain, what is your problem? Jesus says, whoever says to this mountain. Notice that it says, whoever prays to God about the mountain, which is what most Christians do. He says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not what? Doubt where? In his heart. But believes those things he says. Do you know most Christians don't even believe what the things that they say? Sure is quiet in our little church this morning. You don't believe what you say. You're going to have to start making your words count. Some of you say, well, I'll be there at 7.30. You know you ain't going to be nowhere near 7.30 being there. And you don't even understand, and you don't think that's a big deal, but you train yourself not to believe even the things you say. Well, I'll be there at 7.30. You show up five minutes to eight because you don't believe what you say. Let me tell you something. This right here, what I'm trying to teach you today about prayer will not work for you until you start believing what you say. You're going to have to start making your words count. We live in a culture and society that we don't believe anybody, don't trust anybody. Every commercial on TV is a lying to us. It's what most, and I'm not saying they all totally are, but most of them are. You know? Hi, if you want to lose weight, take this pill. And get up in the morning and, you know, I remember when that pill came out, the grapefruit pill. Take these pills at night with a glass of water when you go to bed, and you wake up in the morning, you'll be lost five pounds. All you got to do is get up and shake the fat out the sheets in the morning when you get up. <laughs> it's ridiculous. We knew when they were telling us that that pill would do that, they wouldn't do it. But I guess for 1995, a bunch of people believed them because they was on it for a long time, settling them. Okay? And, and so he says, you don't doubt in your heart, but believe the things that you say, look what he says, will be done. Look what's the answer to that. He will do what? Have whatever he what? says. Now, you see here over and over, there's an emphasis on speaking, on saying something out of your mouth. So Peter is all amazed. Now, I want you to look in Matthew chapter 21 because it's the same story, but Matthew says one thing that I want you not to miss in verse 19. He says, and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Now, this is the part I don't, I don't want you to miss. Look what it says. Immediately, the fig tree withered away. When did it happen? 
immediately. But there was no sign anything happened. There was no visible manifestation that the words of Jesus accomplished or affected that tree in any capacity. Is that right? Now, Matthew says that it immediately withered. Where did Mark say that it withered from? The roots. So the roots are where? They're below the surface. You can't see what's going on under there. Now listen to me. Sometimes when we speak to our problem, there is no immediate uh, manifestation of that. Sometimes when we speak the word of God, when we speak out what God says, listen, whatever it is, the sickness lingers. The mountain that we just spoke to is still visible. When that happens, does that mean that God said no? Listen, you can get on Google and most any site you go to that will ask you about, if you go type in unanswered prayers, don't do it while I'm preaching, but if you type in unanswered prayers, this is what it will tell you. It will tell you that sometimes the answer from God is no. I'm going to tell you most of the time that's a lie. Because the answer from God according to his will and what Jesus died on the cross for is never no. For example, if you declare and pray for healing for you or someone else, the answer from God will never, ever be no to your healing. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see. And it can't be no to your healing because Jesus has already paid by his stripes. You were healed. Not going to be, but you were. Some of you probably don't understand that, but I'm, I'm just telling you that's the truth. You were healed just as much as you were saved, you were forgiven 2,000 years ago. You didn't get saved in, you know, last week or 10 days ago or, or, or 10 years ago. Jesus paid that price 2,000 years ago. All happened 10 years ago, or if that's when you got saved, is you believed it and you received it. So you didn't get healed 10 days ago or 10 years ago. You got healed 2,000 years ago. By his stripes, you were healed. First Peter 2.24, come on. And all you did maybe 10 days ago is you finally believed it and therefore you received what grace has provided. And so the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 1.18, that God is faithful. Say that with me. God is faithful. Now, our word to you, Paul says, he says, God is faithful. Our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it was yes. For all the promises. How many of God's promises? For all the promises of God in him, in Jesus, are what? They're yes and in him are what? You know what amen means? Let it be so. So all of God's promises, what was, what's one of God's promises? He promised that by his stripes you were healed. Now this is where a lot of people get stuff confused. Now listen to me. They'll pray to God, let's say we'll just make that one the deal. It can be anything. But we'll just say we'll pray to God for healing for ourselves or for someone else. Okay? And... Uh, and it doesn't immediately manifest. In other words, we didn't see any visible difference. Then a lot of believers have been taught that God told you no. So this is where you come up with that flaky mess that circulates through the churches that God sometimes makes you sick. Or if he doesn't make you sick, he allows you to be sick. He's trying to teach you something. All this stuff is just lies from the enemy. I said it's all lies from the enemy. God's promises are yes. Now, is there any time that God would say no? Well, I guess he is. I told you the other Sunday, two Sundays ago, you know, uh, if I pray, you know, and I say, well, I, I, you know, I can declare with my mouth and, and you know, believe in my heart and, and it'll be there, you know. And so I declare there's Rolls Royce out front instead of that Ford pickup. Now, you might not like this, but Jesus didn't die on the cross for a Rolls Royce. That's not in his atonement. That's not in the price that he paid. But he did die for your healing. He did die for your forgiveness. He did die for your salvation. He did die to meet all your needs. You understand? And I'm not against you if you have a Rolls Royce. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm not saying if you have one, you're of the devil. But I'm just saying that, that, you, that you know, I can't guarantee you a Rolls Royce, but I can guarantee you through the blood of Jesus, forgiveness, healing, and deliverance. Because that's what he died on the cross for. That's, it, that's part of what his payment was for. Are, are you with me? Now, what happens and what negates a lot of us receiving is that believers say, I prayed and nothing happened. I've, I've seen this just destroy the results of prayer. 
Well, I prayed and nothing happened. That would be like Jesus saying, I, I spoke over that fig tree and nothing happened. Now, if you look at Jesus and if you follow his life, see, God is a spirit. That's what he says in John 4. And so just like sometimes it takes time before what God has done in the spiritual world to manifest in the physical world. So Jesus is God, is he not? So Jesus spoke to a fig tree and he cursed it. Now, nobody, none of the disciples could tell that anything happened. But Jesus knew what I'm trying to get you to know is God's word is true. And so listen to me. This is a statement that is so true. Hear me. It is impossible to pray, prophesy, decree, declare, or speak the word of God and nothing happen. It's impossible. You cannot speak the word of God with no results. Because that would make the word of God ineffective, non-powerful, and impotent. And the word of God is sharp, full of power, able to accomplish that that God sent it to do. He sent his word and healed them. God's already healed you. He just wants you to receive it. How do you receive it? By believing it. Nobody gets saved because they deserve salvation. And nobody gets healed because they deserve to be healed. God's not going to heal you because you taught Sunday school for 20 years. But yet, I, as I, all these 30 years I've been preaching, we get somebody up here, oh, God, we pray you would heal, heal Grandma. She's been such a faithful member of this house. She's taught Sunday school for 30 years, and she, she's kept this and done this and done that. God, you can just guarantee that prayer's not going to get answered that day. Because God's not going to heal based on anything that we do. God can add to your righteousness. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Then he'll add to that. But he's not going to add to your righteousness, your works, your labors, your sweat. Are you with me? Many Christians don't understand that. They, 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 they don't understand that sometimes it takes time when you speak the word of God to see results of it in the physical, natural realm. Uh, Mark 16 and 18 says that we would lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. He didn't say that we'd lay hands on the sick and everybody get an instant manifestation of their healing, did he? He just said that we'd lay hands on the sick and, and they would recover. And so most Christians don't understand, listen, the limitations that God has placed upon his own self in regard to and in order to answer prayers. For example, James 4 and 7 says this, submit unto God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You ever heard that one? Now, who did he tell to resist? Say me. You. You resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You ever had to resist anything? You know, if you resist the police, you get charged. That's another crime for resisting. But resisting is not just, resisting is, is active. It's not passive. So listen to me. God in his person, listen, has limited himself when he gave you that verse. In other words, you, you, God's not going to violate his word. So he's not going to resist the devil for you. You can pray like this, oh God, make the devil leave me alone. Oh God, make the devil get off my back. And you pray that and you die and it'll never work. That's ineffective prayer. It's not going to work. Why won't it work? Because he told you to resist. And when you start, when you start asking God or, or praying to God to do what he already told you to do, then actually what you're doing is you're, you're shortchanging the work of Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross. See, you have to renew your mind to interpret your circumstances through the finished work of the cross. And, 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 uh, and most Christians don't do that. When, when you speak the word of God, you have to believe the word of God. So here, here Jesus comes to this fig tree, and, and, and whatever it is in your life that is lying to you, the doctor may tell you that you've got uh, six months to live. If you put your faith in his word... Let me tell you something. Most Christians, from my experience, never want to testify about their healing until the doctor pronounces them healed. They don't get excited about the word of God. They get excited and come running to me when the doctor told them that they're well. Only when they get the doctor's report. Now, listen to me. Don't get it. I mean, don't. Come on now. I'm a sweet guy. Come on. Don't get mad at me. But they, 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 if, if you really look at that, if you really analyze that, they believe more in the word from the doctor than they do in the word from God. Why didn't you get excited when I told you that by his stripes you were healed? Why didn't you go running with that word? 
See, many of us are asking God to do what he's already done and wonder why our prayers are powerless. See, you, you have, listen, are we supposed to do like Jesus did? If you fought, listen, if you follow Jesus' life, Jesus never prayed like we pray in the church. Jesus always did what I'm showing you to do. Whatever the problem was, Jesus spoke to the problem. A lot of you have heard it said because it kind of circulates over the, you know, the Internet. But don't pray to God about your mountain, but speak to your mountain. Don't tell God how big your mountain is. Don't waste time in prayer telling God about how big your problem is or how bad your crisis is or how great your, your dilemma but spend time speaking to the problem. Don't speak to God about your mountain. Speak to the mountain about your God. Don't, don't talk to God. God already knows what you have need of, Matthew 6, before you even ask him. Listen, prayer is not informing an uninformed God. God is not busy with a lot of paperwork. I've already taught you in this series that you don't have to get 100 people praying before God will pay attention to you. It is so wrong to think, well, you know, we need to call it a prayer chain. I'm not saying if you're evil, if you've got a prayer chain. But, but if you think that, you, that God won't hear your prayer, that you've got to get me to pray, that you've got to get the certain person to pray, that you've got to get a certain number, then you see God like a judge and not a father. When you're born again, God is your, not your judge. He's your father. He's your father. He loves you. You don't have to beg, plead, pursue None of that stuff. God, God, God tells us so clear that in the word of God. Well, if I get 100 people, you know, we, we got a crisis. We just, if we can get a bunch of people praying, then maybe God will answer. That proves right there you don't even know him. Not in regard to prayer. You don't know him. You don't, you don't have a clue how good he is. You don't even have a clue what he's provided for you already. The problem is not with the transmitter, it's with the receivers. God's already transmitted forgiveness. God's already transmitted salvation. God's already transmitted the grace of God has appeared unto all men, but they just ain't all received it yet. God's already by his stripes, you were healed, but they just, so God's already done it. He's already paid the price for it. Why, 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 why ain't we healed then? Well, why ain't we saved? Why ain't people saved? What would be the answer for why people ain't saved? I told you I, I commonly, and it hadn't been all that long ago, the lady said, I want you to pray for me, Pastor Dale, that my husband will be saved. I've been praying for him for over 10 years, and he ain't got saved yet. What was she saying to me, you think? She was saying God can just flick his finger and make my husband get saved. Listen to me. If God's going to start making people do stuff, I mean, if God was the God that's going to make people do stuff, he'd have just made Herod leave his son alone when he was a little baby and not have to flee with Joseph and Mary to Egypt to escape for his life. He'd have just made it, you know, Herod leave him alone. Didn't God have the power to make Herod leave him alone? But see, God don't make people do stuff. He didn't come jacking one of you up today and make you pay tithes and give tithes and honor God. He didn't make you. If he's going to make you, he'd make you do that. He'd, he'd pick you up and shake you upside down over here over the offering plate. He's not making you do it. Listen, I tell you the first thing God wouldn't make people do if he's going to start making. Make everybody in here is lost, get saved. But God ain't making people because he gave you a gift. It's called a free will. You have it before you're saved and you have it after you're saved. So the reason your husband ain't saved or your wife ain't saved or your family ain't saved is because they don't believe. Well, how should we pray for them? Don't ask God like he's, you're waiting on him to do something. He's already done what he's going to do for the salvation of your husband 2,000 years ago. It ain't got nothing, it ain't got anything to do with God. Paul answered that in the New Testament in the book of Corinthians. He said, Satan has blinded the minds of those people so that they can't believe the minds of those people. So, so pray that their blindness would go from their minds. Pray that they would hear the gospel. How shall they be saved unless they hear? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they be sent? Romans 10. So pray that their eyes will be opened, that they will hear and believe the gospel and be saved. But your husband, you, you, the salvation is not contingent upon anything waiting on God. It's got nothing to do with God. God's already saved everybody he's going to save. And God's already healed everybody he's going to heal. And that's the whole Everybody. He paid for all of it 2,000 years ago. I know that's hard for you to understand, for some of you, because you, you've been raised on the opposite diet of that. But that's the Word of God. And so 
Do you ever see Jesus praying to God about all this stuff? So Jesus goes to Peter's home, and Peter's mother-in-law is sick in bed with a high fever. So what did Jesus do? What would the church do? What would the average Christian do if he encountered that? He would maybe, even if he prayed at all, because there's a whole chunk of the church don't even believe God heals anymore. So he would just, the average Christian, though, that does say, well, Lord, you know, the Lord's able. I know God's able. That ain't worth a dime. That ain't worth the air it took you to say, well, I know the Lord's able, Brother Dale. That's like standing in front of the bank. I know that bank is able to give me a million dollars. I know they're able. <laughs> oh, they're able. That bank is able. Uh, uh, but you're going to leave there just as broke as you pulled up there. <laughs> sure, they're able. But it's going to require something for that transfer from what's on the inside that bank to be in your pocket. Now, with God, that's faith. With faith. So God being able, church just tries to comfort himself. It's kind of like putting salve on, a, on cancer. It, you know, it make you feel better for the moment, but it ain't going to cure the problem. Come on now. So follow Jesus around. What did Jesus do? The average Christian with a fever would say, oh, God, please heal this woman. That woman's going to keep that fever. Because you're asking God to do what he told you to do. God didn't tell you to pray for the sick. Listen to me. Anybody knows I say this, I say this a lot because it's so foreign to the modern church. Jesus told you to heal the sick. I've had some tell me, say, well, that was just to the 12, Brother Dale. No, it was to the 72. To the 70 also. Any other disciples in here besides me? Well, he's speaking to you. He told you to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out devils. Freely you've received, freely give. You don't know what you freely received. When Peter and John was going to church in Acts chapter 3, at the time of the prayer, which is 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they saw a lame man laid at the gate called Beautiful. That's where a lot of picture of a lot of church is. They call it beautiful. You can call it whatever you want to. But it ain't beautiful as long as sick folk laying in there. And in fact, he was laid at the gate. He couldn't even go into church because they didn't allow sick people in the temple. So he's laid at the gate begging alms. I've said this. I always love saying this. He was begging for alms, and he didn't need alms. He needed legs. <laughs> We're not smart enough to even know what we need in our prayer life. The New Testament says, For often we know not what to pray for as we ought to. And then the Holy Spirit maketh intercession. That's another session, another, another message. We'll talk about it. But listen, so he's begging alms. Peter and John looks at him, and they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. I've got one in the hopper waiting to preach it till you call such as I have. Can't wait to preach it to you. You need to be recognize what you have. A lot of you don't believe what you have. That's why you're praying for the mind of Christ when you have the mind of Christ. So good here and I ever say that. We have, most of my church life I spent praying for the mind of Christ. Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. When did you get it? When you got born again. I have the anointing of God. For the holy unction of the anointing one is within me. Three times in the New Testament it says we have the anointing. What do we do? Spend time praying for the anointing. Oh, God, we just ask you for the anointing. Because you believe God's a liar. He didn't give it to you. We spend time asking God to go with us from this place. And that's calling God a liar every time you pray that prayer. Because God said, I will never, ever leave you. And I will never, ever forsake you. God goes with you all. God don't live in this building. I don't come down here on Sundays and visit him. God lives on the inside of me. He'll never leave me, never forsake me. Even when I commit sin or do whatever I do, he will never leave me. He's not a liar. If he never leaves me, then I can't lose my salvation, can I? That's a, I'm up a can there for you. Are you saying once saved, always saved? Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Unapologetically is what I'm saying. And the only reason you believe or don't believe in that is because of the preaching that you've heard, not because of the Bible you have personally studied. You didn't get that out of the Bible. You got that out of the pulpit. And you can't stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with me for five seconds and defend your position if you believe people can lose their salvation. Because you didn't lose it because you didn't give it. And if you didn't give it, then you can't lose it. And you didn't earn it, and you can't unearn it. Well, what about this? What if this? What if I do this? And I knew, what if? <laughs> Welcome to Grace Point. We're so glad you're here today. 
Jesus didn't pray like we prayed. When he walked in, that woman had a fever. He said he rebuked the fever, and it left her. He, he didn't even talk to God. Spoke to the fever. When he walks up to a dead man named Lazarus, he don't pray to God and ask God to do something. He speaks to Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. Talks to the problem. When he walks up to people that are demonized, he don't pray to God and ask God to do something. He speaks to the evil spirit. Commands it to depart. When he walks up to a fig tree and it's lying through his fig leaf teeth, Why fig tree? Why not apple tree? Why not olive branch? Why not this? Why not that? Because in the garden, when man sinned against God and believed the lie of the enemy, that there was more that they didn't have, what did they do to try to cover their neckers? What, what kind of tree did they use? To make, they took fig leaves and tried to cover their neckedness. Now I know we say Adam was really smart. But that makes me question. Like you do, you know that's going to wither like, you know, a couple of days and wind's going to blow that right away, right? They sewed fig leaves together to cover their nakedness. That's how smart man is in dealing with his sin problem. So we have a fig tree showing up in the garden. Some people, you know, you read commentaries. A lot of commentaries say Jesus is cursing a fig tree, and they'll tell you in those commentaries, don't waste time reading them. They'll tell you, almost all commentaries will tell you that fig tree represents Israel. What a lie. You think God would curse the very nation that he blessed? God, in fact, told Abraham that anybody that blesses you will I bless, and anybody that curses you I will curse. You think God's going to turn around and curse his own people? Again, ignorant people writing stuff they don't even know and don't even know the God they're writing about. God would never curse you or any people. He blessed you and he never revoked it. The Bible said he blessed man in the garden. And you'll find one verse nowhere in the Bible where God ever revoked that blessing. You are blessed of the Lord. Highly favored. Chosen by God. Amen. Nathaniel comes to Jesus he was gathered by one of the other soon-to-be apostles and said, we found the Christ. He's out of Nazareth. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He said, won't you come and see? And he saw him coming, and he said, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And, and he was amazed. He said, how do you know him? And he said, while you were sitting under the what country? Fig tree. Fig tree. I saw you. And he said, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, you're amazed by that. You're going to see even angels ascending and descending. But what kind of tree was he sitting under? Fig tree. A lot of people are sitting under a fig tree. They're sitting under that kind of preaching. They're sitting under the law. They're sitting under something that can never answer the problem or the sickness or the disease of sin in their life. They're sitting under that system. That's why Jesus cursed that system. He cursed that fig tree. There's a lot of revelation in this. If you could get a lot, Jesus cursed that thing. He cursed that system. That thing's lying to you. Hey, sit under the fig tree and it'll give you fruit. Jesus says it's a lie. I curse you from the roots. And so he spoke to it. He wants you to speak to things. Speak to your mountain. Speak to your problem. Speak to whatever it is. That's what Jesus did. That man, silver, and gold have no. So they spoke to the man. They spoke to the problem. So if you want to learn how to pray really effective, precious lady in here, I hope she don't ever wear her out. I won't even call her name again this morning because I've wore out that. But some of you are so impressed with cancer that I need to use her. But almost six years ago now, to my recollection, my little sister came down and I did not know her when she was healed standing right here of cancer in her colon. Now on that particular night, she sits back there. She's in here. So on that particular night, she came down with a walker with a fever. But God used the gifts of the Spirit, spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The, 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 Holy, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still active in the church today because we're the church. And so I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit because I believe in God and I believe in the Holy Spirit. But, but I can't flip them on and off like a switch. A lot of people think I can. I can't. Neither can you. 
it's not so much that I have the gift or the gift works through me as much as the gift has me. What kind of gift do you have? You don't really have a gift. The gift has you. Anyway, but when she came down and I had just given a testimony, testimonies are powerful. Testimony means do it again, God. But I'd given a testimony of a lady over in Enigma, Georgia, when I was preaching one night many years ago. And I was preaching, and my wife was in ICU in the hospital, tracheal edema. They almost had to cut a trach in her throat. Had three little kids at the house. I was a paramedic for 20 years. I was a paramedic actually at that time. But I had just started preaching the gospel. I was evangelizing. And I was in the Holiness Baptist Church in Enigma, Georgia. My wife was in ICU, and I was going to cancel the revival. She said, no, go on. So I went to the revival. Long story very short, that night, God just, in a, in a, in a most powerful way, ever, you know, you may think I'm exaggerating this, but I, it, everybody was healed that was sick in that house that night. Everybody. Whatever they had. God didn't have to ask my permission. He just did it. Now, we were laying hands upon people and whatever. So a lady came. Her name, her name was Sister, Sister Crook. I'll call her name. She's with the Lord now. She came forward with a walker. I laid my hands upon her and prayed for a different one. Didn't know her, never seen her before. Never even been in that church before. Preached a revival. My wife's in the hospital. I'm being Mr. Mom at the house. Three little kids. My parents and everybody's helping me. I'm concerned about her. I'm not spending any time in prayer much or anything like that. I'm just trying my best to get through that revival. And I want my wife out of ICU and back home. Okay? How many believes that I'd prayed for her to be healed? <laughs> but she was still in ICU. So it wasn't working out exactly like I thought. And so I've learned a little bit since then. The point is, I went back next night. This woman walked up in front, in front of me. I was sitting on the front pew of the church. She said, Brother Dale, you notice anything different? And I've been married now for 36, almost 37 years. And, buddy, I've learned some things. And when a woman asks you, you've noticed something different, you keep your mouth shut. You wait for her to tell you. If you'll be silent long enough, she'll tell you. And so I didn't say anything. I, you know, and she said, my walker, my walker. I'll never forget this. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not making up anything. She just said, my walker, my walker. Now, my mind is so wrapped up with my wife and problems. And I'm really thinking, well, I ain't got it. I mean, I ain't seen it. I don't know where it's at. <laughs> and she said, Brother Dale, she said, I'm not, have, I'm not walking my walker. I'm, I got healed last night. Glory to God. I would love to tell you that that made me want to turn a cartwheel or something. But you know what my immaturity then made me think about? That ain't fair. I mean, why did this woman get healed? My wife said, I said, you. I prayed, you know, days ago for her to be healed. And hauled her back to the hospital twice. I understand that. They break out the tray, tray one night. You know, when I carried her in the middle of the night, she actually fainted in my arms because she couldn't breathe. It's like she was trying to breathe through a straw. Her trachea, her windpipe was closing up. And so I'm thinking like, why ain't my wife healed? <laughs> you ever had them thoughts when you're somebody else? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I found out that her brother was visiting from Perry, Florida, bleeding ulcers all his, uh, for years, just a tremendous problem. He was totally healed that night. And the testimonies just went one after another after another. This lady, Jill knows her story, and so if my parents were here, and Pastor Keith and they maybe even remember this woman, and I had just, well, not long after that, or maybe at that time, had just started Cornerstone maybe, in fact, I think we had. And um, this lady came to the church and uh, brought a friend of hers. This lady lived in Nashville, and the doctors had told this woman, Sister Crook, that if she would use the walker, she would make her muscles strong, even though her bones were degenerating and falling apart. And They told her eventually you'll be bedridden, and probably get pneumonia and blood clots and all this stuff. You know, eventually one of that will take you out. Well, she'd walked every day for over a year trying to keep her muscles strong, and she just made the block with a walker, her block that she lived on in the city of Nashville. So she got healed at the, at the meeting. So she's in the habit of walking, so she walked, but without the walker. Guess what? She was going a little faster. And a lady that was sitting there, uh, in, in her home, saw Sister Crook go by and said, told her husband, said, I just saw Sister Crook go by without a walker. He said, you ain't seen no such a thing. He said, I'm telling you that was her. He said, well, go chase her down there, if that's Sister Crook. 
So she said, I will. So she took off out the front door, run down the front porch, and chased her down. And it, sure enough, it was Sister Crook. She said, what happened to you? She said, I got healed last night in this revival over here in Enigma. And then so the following Sunday, she brought her to church. And back those days, we had Sunday night, you know, when we were really saved, you know. <laughs> Sunday night services, anybody remember those, you know? And uh, so we had Sunday night service, and we was having a little eating fellowship afterwards. So the woman came because she was healed. And I remember this, and I, honest to God, I remember this, sitting in there with your chips and your peanuts and your pimento cheese sandwiches and all. And this woman that was Sister Crook's friend comes sit right next to me. Honest to God, I ain't making it. She sat right next to me, and she just sat next to me and just was just looking me up and down. And I guess she was trying to see, like, how did this guy heal her? Now, we know who the healer is, and we know where the power comes from. But God said that we would lay hands on the sick, and they would what? And sometimes they recover instantly. They don't all have to wait three weeks or whatever. And what happened to her was she got an instant miracle. And so did her brother, and so did a lot of other people. And, and uh, I, I wish I had often done that because I knew what she was thinking. You know, I had that perception, and I, I, I wanted to just look at her. You know, I should have done this. I once said, woman, why stand you and gazing at me as if by my own strength and power I have made this woman whole that stands before you? For it is in the name of Jesus that I prayed. And that is why, you know, or did what the apostles did. But the Bible is not a historical book. God still does that. So I gave that testimony. And my precious sister sitting right back there came forward with her walker. So some of our people started praying as if maybe she had problems with bones or knees or stuff. And I don't mean that arrogantly or mean. We're all learning. But as I stepped down, I, I said to Papa, I said, what is it, Father? He said, abdomen. I said, ma'am, look at me. I said, I don't believe you're here because of bones and joints. I said, God says, what's wrong with you is in your abdomen. And she nodded, affirmed. Is it okay if I t identify you again? Wave your hand, darling. Hold it up where they can see. Turn around look at the woman. This is Mary Lee Barnes. God healed her. This is who I'm talking about. So I can't be making up stuff. There she sits. You go to her and ask her, is he lying? I said, you're not here for that. God says this in your abdomen. That's all she did. <laughs> as soon as I said that by faith, I heard the word colon. And I was able to say, not only is it in your abdomen, God says it's in your colon, whatever your problem is. She nodded even more affirmative. I said, ladies, lay your hands on her because I don't like putting my hand on a woman's abdomen. Except my wife's, and I enjoy that quite immensely. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Did I? Okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, you get what you get here. And I said, I said, sisters, lay your hands on her abdomen. And I laid my hands on those sisters' hands on our sister's abdomen, and I cursed that thing. I did what I'm teaching you. I did what I'm teaching you. I said, and then I said these words, I command whatever is in her abdomen to come out of her in the name of Jesus. I curse the root of whatever the problem is. I command it to leave the woman in Jesus' name. Did it leave, darling? And she went in over six years ago, pristine, clean, healed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give God praise. Give Jesus praise. Now, I will never grow weary of giving that testimony because there are people here today hearing me for the first time. But you need to know that God is bigger than any problem, any disease, any sickness. But the reason we see, 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 why don't we see more miracles, Brother Dale? I'm surprised we see any because we're doing it so wrong. I don't know why we drifted this far away from the way Jesus modeled that we should do. But Jesus spoke to whatever the problem was. I, I remember as a young preacher, if I'd have heard somebody saying, I command, I'd have thought, how arrogant. I, I'm just being honest. I would have thought, what, that arrogant little whippersnapper. Who did they think they are? So I got mercy on people that don't understand this. What we think is this humility to pray and say, oh, God, would you please do something? 
And God's looking at us like, I already did something on the cross. I've already took care of that problem. Now I need you to have faith in God and speak to the fig tree. It's lying to you. You're not going to die. You shall live and not die, saith the Lord. You shall declare the works of the Lord. You're not going to die. Doctors doing their best. But just because he told you you're going to die. Just because they said you're going to be bankrupt. Just because they said you're going to lose your business. Just because they said nobody's going to ever buy your products anymore. Just because they said you're done for. That's not the way it is. That's not the end of the story. Not if you don't believe it. If you believe it, you'll live and self-fulfill that false lie. You got to believe the word of God. Let the weak say, no, no, I'm strong. Let the sick say, no, 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 I'm healed. Let the poor say, no, no, I'm rich. So when you speak to your checkbook, walk around with that checkbook. If it's filled with zeros, talk to the checkbook. Don't talk to God. He knows what your balance is. Talk to God. Do you know one reason this church has a lot of you in it. Now, I'm not taking full credit. I'm not the Messiah. I didn't ride in on the white horse with a golden crown. Okay? But something I've done from the day that I've been here, and I've done it again this morning. Do you believe in prayer? Absolutely. As I laid prostrate in my place of prayer this morning, I do what I do every Sunday morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to the north and the south and to the east and to the west. And I command them to come to the house of the Lord. I rebuke the blindness that's upon the minds of those that they cannot believe and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I speak to all of those in Lowndes County. And I call for them to come from Valdosta and from Hayhira and from Remerton and from Lake Park. I call them forth, Father. I speak to those in Berrien County. And I go through every county and every surrounding county. And I speak to those counties and I speak to those cities. And I say to the north, give them up. And to the south, you turn them loose. And I speak to the east and to the west. And I command the blindness to go that they may come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And be converted and be saved and be healed and be delivered. And I speak that every Sunday morning. Do you feel foolish sometimes? Not anymore. But I used to. I remember when I changed over to this way of praying. And and instead of asking and begging God to do something and burying most of our people that got cancer that I pastored. Now I speak to the problem. So when you come up for prayer here, you're not going to hear me begging God to do something because God's already done everything necessary for you to receive your miracle. What I'm going to do is speak to the problem. Now I I speak to my own problem. Does everything you say work all the time? Absolutely not. Not as far as manifestation. But let me say something that I no longer believe. How many times, and I know we're about to close, but how many times people come up and let's say this brother comes up for prayer. I lay hands on this brother, and he said, I, I, want, you know, I got pain in my right shoulder, uh, Pastor, and I want to you know, be healed. I'm in a lot of pain right now, and I, I want to be healed of this. So instead of trying to explain theology that you're already healed, you just need to receive and all that, I ain't got time for all that. So I'll just lay hands on him, and I, in the name of Jesus Christ, this is how I would pray for a shoulder. I'd say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke this pain. I curse the root cause of this pain. I command this to go from his body. Lord, I thank you that you already saved, saw this day coming and that you've already provided healing for us and paid for it in full. So, Father, I draw off of the account that's paid in full. Brother, be healed. I command healing in your body. And then I would say to him, I said, are you still in pain? And if he said yes or no, if he said yes, it don't mean it don't work. If he said, I said, does it feel, a lot of times he might go, because, you know, I say, well, move it if you can. Move it and see if it's. Because, see, Jesus prayed for a guy. I'll talk about next Sunday. He prayed for a guy and said, you know, it was blind. He said, how do you see? He said, well, I, I see men like trees. Hmm. Jesus said, let's go round two here. I'll talk about that next Sunday. Why did Jesus pray twice for the same man, for the same problem, before they got the manifestation? So I'd say, brother, can you move? He said, well, right there it hurts. I, I used to couldn't move it at all and it hurt but now when I get there it hurts I say so what you're telling me then is you can move it from here to there and it doesn't hurt and he said well yes I said well give God praise for that why can't you just praise him for for, for the progress well I'm still hurting you know what the average Christian listen to me listen the average Christian says I didn't get it they take their temperature they nasal gaze I didn't get it and so they leave and go back to their seat and listen listen to me Watch this. All the way back to their seat, their belief system is in force. 
If you come up with a problem and I pray for you, you got to believe something about that event. So you'll either believe the word of God that once you speak it, it's done, and the manifestation will just have to catch up with it whenever. Or either you will believe that you didn't receive, which is what most Christians believe. And everything's determined upon belief. The Bible said Jesus himself, listen, it didn't say he didn't want to, said he could do no mighty miracles in his hometown because of their unbelief. If their unbelief chained down Jesus, well, what will your unbelief do to you? What will it do to your prayers being received? So while you're walking back to your seat and because the pain is still there because of whatever, well, I didn't get it today. This wasn't my day. You've been raised on that diet. Today's your day, sister. I want to tell you when your day was, sister. 2,000 years ago on the cross, that was, your, that was your day. That was your day. That was my day. That was your day. And don't you ever believe that your healing is out in the future. That your healing, you know, one day the Lord's going to heal me. You're confessing defeat when you say you're confessing unbelief. Your healing is not in the future. I've always taught you that since the day you've heard me in this house. Your healing is in the past. Don't look forward to your healing. Look back to it. Because that's when it occurred. And so it may feel strange. Now, I've had Christians get mad with me. You know? Because it makes them feel so like, well, that's just uncomfortable. I don't like that. I'd rather just pray and beg God and then blame it on him when it don't work. That's what you're really saying. And that's where you come up with fake, uh, 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 flaky theology, where the Lord makes people sick, the Lord's allowing this, the Lord's trying to teach me something. You know, it ain't always God's will to heal the sick. How ridiculous. What a lie. What a blasphemous statement to make about the stripes on the back of Jesus. He was, not, he was striped for all. He was pierced for all. He bled for all. It's not his will that any perish, that all should come to repentance. He paid for it all on the cross. Now, what we have to do is believe the word of God strong enough that you're willing to feel foolish even initially. Now, I want to tell you, if you pray like that around religious people, they're going to, they're going to accuse you. They're going to mock you maybe. They're going to say, who do you think that he is? You know, commanded. I think I'm a follower of Christ. That's who I think I am. And I'm following Jesus, and I'm doing it the way Jesus did. Well, what if I do it and it don't work? Wrong question, but I'll play the game. What if you do it and it does work would be the better one, okay? Because it does work because Jesus accomplished it. And I could stand up here and tell you miracle after miracle, because that ain't the first cancer I've seen healed. But it's just somebody that sits in this house every Sunday that you know and you can touch. And that's why I utilize her. I've seen many people delivered and set free of, of cancer and things worse than that. But you have to believe the word of God. Now, the reason God allowed, what caused our sister's faith to reach up and receive? The gifts of the spirit. So when she's standing in front of this little old preacher that was new to this house and she didn't even know, and I didn't know her. I, I, I'd never seen her as far as I knew. But when I was able to say to her, your problem is not bones and joints. Your problem is in your abdomen. Yes. So that, that was right. I didn't guess that one. And I said, in fact, it's in your colon. That's pretty specific. What do you think that did to the lady? It made her faith do what? Rise up. What did her faith do? Receive what had been freely appropriated for her by grace. You understand that? That's why God gives the gifts. I can't wait. Maybe next weekend I'm going to tell you some more stories and some things where I've seen. I've lived my life seeing these things. And the key, listen to me, the key is you to believe. If I can get you to believe. I'm going to end with this one with Brother Hagin. I mentioned him a while ago. He's a great man of God, man of faith. we got several people in here. Pastor Ben is one that graduated from Rama Bible College there, his Bible college. I remember Brother Hagin teaching on a cassette one day many years ago. Anybody remember what a cassette was? But I remember Brother Hagin teaching, and he said he had a vision. He'd been praying to God for some time, for weeks, about something very, very important, a decision with his ministry and things he needed to do. And so he went to sleep, and in the night time, he had a vision, and he saw the Lord appear to him in this dream, this vision. And the Lord began to speak to him the answers to his prayers. In other words, information, intelligence that he desperately needed to make that proper decision. And right as the Lord Jesus in this vision began to speak to Brother Hagin, Jesus was standing there, and like where Pastor Ben is sitting, and, and, and Brother Hagin was here, and so the Lord appeared to him. And, and so the, Jesus just begins to speak in a normal tone and speech and begin to inform him and answer his prayer. 
a, a demonic spirit. A, a, a Brother Hagen described it as a, almost like a monkey-looking type thing that appeared there and was jumping up and down and making racket and, and hollering and carrying on and just acting crazy. How many of those devils is crazy? And so just acting all crazy and making a lot of noise and jumping up in front of Jesus and, and Brother Hagin kept trying to look around in and, and his dream and he couldn't, you know, hear what, and, and, and he said Jesus was just still standing there, just a talking, but he couldn't hear a word he was saying because of this thing. And he said in his dream, he kept thinking, won't the Lord do something? Won't he make that thing go away? Don't he know I need to hear what he's saying? And he kept waiting on Jesus to do something, and nothing ever happened. And he finally got so aggravated because he could see the Lord's mouth. He'd look around this demon thing, and he'd see the Lord's mouth just to move. And he's like, I'm missing so much stuff. And he just finally just yelled out real loud, devil, get out of here. And he went here when he did, it was just gone. And he said, the Lord never, he said, the Lord just kept talking. And then he's listening to everything he says. And when the Lord got through talking in this dream, in this vision, he said, he said Jesus, why didn't you uh, make the devil go away? He said, I told you to have authority. I told you to resist him. I told you to do something about him. I told you to speak to him. Brother Hagin said, I learned something that day, that this thing is real about speaking. I believe if, if, if our dear sister, if I would come down that night and I'd have laid hands on her and said, Lord, please heal the lady, I don't believe the lady would have been healed. Lord would have had to got her to somebody else. He loves her. He'd have got her to somebody else that knew what they was doing besides me. But I've learned to speak to the mountain. Now, you need to talk to some things. And you need to talk it at least loud enough that your own ears can hear it. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, the disciples heard it. Don't be ashamed to speak out. Don't be ashamed to talk to your mountain, to your bank account, to your sickness. I've, I've, I've had this in my own body. I've been sitting there with a certain pain that's been here trying to recur lately and, and hit my body. And I, and I just, but be specific. Your faith needs to be directed. Your faith needs to be specific. So speak to that problem. A lady was totally healed of a, of a disease. And then uh, she got healed of everything she felt like. And as she was actually leaving the service, she felt a, a burning pain hit her body that was part of that whole thing that she had disbelieved for healing for. Now the enemy tried to make her because she felt that burning pain uh, she felt like, well, I didn't get it. And so she came to the preacher and said, hey, I, I, you know, I've got this burning pain. And he said, well, I've taught you to pray. You know how to speak to things, so you, you pray. So she said, Lord, I thank you that you've provided everything for me, and I thank you that by your stripes I'm healed. And so I claim that healing, and I, re I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. How many thinks that was a pretty good prayer? Don't don't. Don't raise your hands. How many thinks that what the woman just said was a pretty good prayer, a pretty good way of praying? It's a terrible way to pray. I just heard a terrible way to pray. You said, really? It sounded pretty good to me, Brother Dale. What did the woman not do that I just taught you to do today? What did she not do? She didn't speak to the problem, did she? She made some good confession, and, and nothing she said was in error or wrong, but she didn't do what God taught her to do, did she? She didn't speak to the problem. You know what the woman should have said? She could have said everything she said, and then she could have said this, and I speak to the burning pain in my right hip or wherever it's at, and I command that burning to go now in the name of Jesus Christ. I command it to leave my body. My little grandson hurt himself last Wednesday. We still don't know why. He's been in a lot of pain. Four years old. Four years old ain't going to play church with you. They're not going to play church. They're not going to play pain. They're not going to do none of this with you. So he's hurting. Granddaddy cares about him. Poppy cares about him. So I'm saying to him, I said, I'm fisting to pray for you, son. He said, okay, Poppy. How do you think I prayed for my grandson yesterday? He's hurting in his right thigh. I said, take one finger and put it exactly where you're hurting. No, I said one finger. Aiden, put, take one finger and put it where the most pain is coming from. He put it right there. So I go after that. How do I pray for my own family that I love more than my life? I come against you in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak to the pain in Aiden's right thigh, in his mid-thigh, whether it be his femur, Father, or these ligaments or tendons or muscles or nerves. I speak, and, I, and that's how I go after it. 
And I know they're waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting. They want me to be able to say that when I got through doing that, that he jumped up, you know, and did, you know, river dance. <laughs> Let me tell you how bad little little man was hurting. That when I got him to his little nap yesterday, he wanted a certain toy in a certain business downtown. And, and he loves toys like a lot of four years. And I said, as soon as we get it from the nap, Poppy, take you to get that toy. Had something specific in mind. But when he got it from the nap, he's, he, he's hurting so bad that he don't even want to go get the toy. When Brother Aiden don't want to ride to town to get a toy, <laughs> you better keep 911 finger close around. He said, I don't want to go, Poppy. Hurting. I said, we fisting to pray, son. Even last night, right before I went to bed, and when he got through praying, I said, Aiden, move it. Feel any better, son? His new word is this. Maybe. Maybe. Little bit. I said, well, praise you, Father, for the little bit. Last night, what was it, 9, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, he said, Poppy, pray for me again. I said, Jill, come in here. And uh, she came in there. So me and her both knelt. How did I pray for Aiden? Just exactly like I'm teaching you. Now, I expected him with all my heart to wake up this morning because the withered from the ground under the root problem. And I expected him fully to get out that bed, our bed that he slept in last night, and be pain-free and not limp. But he limped all the way into this church this morning. And he limped all the way out of here at the children's church across the hall. It does not alter my faith one bit. I'm not sitting here asking, did it, why didn't it work? I, why didn't it work this time? I don't have those thoughts. I don't listen to those thoughts. I don't entertain those thoughts. What are you going to do? I'm going to keep speaking to the problem till there's no more manifestation of his pain. Aiden was healed 2,000 years ago. Father, I thank you that the price has been paid. It ain't contingent upon me and none of that stuff. It's contingent. He sent his word and healed them. And so I'm just going to speak. So you're looking at somebody that ain't playing. And if I don't ever see a manifestation again, I'm never going to get on my knees and beg God to do something about our problems. I'm going to stand and speak. And I'm going to speak to whatever that mountain is, how foolish it may be, how foolish it may appear, how foolish it may feel. If you will do this by faith, you will see results like I'm seeing. I'm seeing more people healed in my ministry than I've ever seen in all the years when I would beg God to do something about it. But now I'm speaking to the problem. I've spent most of my Christian life telling God about the crisis and how big my problem was and asking him would he please do something. When he said, son, I've done, done everything that's needed for life and godliness. I've provided everything. All you need to do is receive what freely has been provided by God's wonderful, amazing grace. Do you receive the word of God today? Would you give God praise? Would you stand with me, please? <laughs> ministry team, would you come? Elders, ministry team, come quickly. In case there is someone today that wants personal prayer, we will be honored to pray for you. Thank you for allowing me because we had a lot going on today. I don't feel like shortchanging the word of God just because we baptized some folks. Do you? So we, we're a little bit past 12, of course, but hey, we'll survive. But come. If you want prayer for any reason, I'm going to dismiss the church. And as they begin to fellowship one another and go out those doors, then if you want prayer for any reason, it can be any reason at all, uh, then you please come down front. And we're waiting to pray with you and to believe God for you. If you want healing, we've talked about healing. We will lay hands on you. We will pray the prayer of faith. You can just, just be honest with God. You can tell God, well, I don't think I got that faith today to be healed. Well, we do, though. So you come and receive prayer, and you receive ministry. If there's something going on in your body and you want to be healed, he's already paid for it. You don't earn it, deserve it. You just come, and we're going to pray for you. God bless these ladies that are coming. So if you want prayer for any reason, then I want you to come today. Greatest reason I would know would not know the Lord as Savior and come and receive him in forgiveness, salvation, and life in Christ. So... Amen. We're just honoring those that are coming. I don't want them to be trampled by people going the other way. So if you want prayer, just come on. We're waiting on you. That's right. Come on. We're going to pray with people today. We're going to see miracles because God's word is true. God's word is true. Do you know when I tell you stories like that, you know what happens to your faith? It elevates, don't it? It goes up.
not faith in me because I can't help you, but it's faith in him. What, did, what was Jesus' response to the fig tree? Have faith in God. Come on, Pastor Ben. Have faith in God. Patty, would you help us pray? We're getting more people that we need to help us. Pastor Gene, some of y'all will gather down. You know, don't, don't, if we're busy now, see, they're more, they will come. we got more people coming. i got a lot of prayer warriors and workers here and leaders that will pray with you, so you just come on. Don't ever be hindered by that, okay? Just come on. Amen. God bless you. God bless these people. Amen. We're going to speak to the problem this morning. Amen. Isn't this wonderful? Isn't this wonderful? Amen. Give the Lord praise. It's wonderful. What's happening? People are believing God. They're believing the word of God. Okay. Now, you don't have to go anywhere, but we honor you. We value your time, and we don't ever want to take advantage of that. So if you need to leave, you're free to do so. We love you. Please get in these community groups. If you want to stay and hang around, that's great. Uh, if you want to come and pray, that'll be wonderful too. So we dismiss the congregation. Love you guys. If you want prayer, come on. We'll be down here praying.